goal is just to arm HR people, our customers, with better tools for making more informed decisions, right? So we always position it as kind of a decision support tool. Welcome to Uptech Report. This is our Applied Tech series. Uptech Report is sponsored by TerraLeap. Learn how to leverage the power of video at terraleap.io. Today, I am joined by my guest, Josh Mellett, who's based in LA, California. He's the founder and CEO of Criteria Corp. Good to have you on, Josh. Thanks, Alexander. Nice to be here. Now, your platform, it's a people analytics software company in its base form is that. And pulling from your site here, it's a SaaS-based pre-employment testing service that features aptitude, personality, skill tests, helping you to assess all these multi-dimensional data points, bringing it in. So for those, whether you're a CEO of a small firm uh, or even enterprise companies up to 50,000, if you're involved in hiring, this might be a platform you're going to want to check out. Um, Josh, help me understand here, what was the beginning genesis of the idea for Criteria Corp and, and how did it start and where did it lead to today? What was that problem that you were solving? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and thanks again for having me on. Uh, you know, we basically help companies make better hiring decisions uh, and better talent decisions throughout the HR lifecycle. So that's that's what we're about is is arming companies with data to help them make better, more objective, uh, more effective hiring decisions. And the genesis of, of the company was actually uh, almost 15 years ago now. Um, my first startup uh, was acquired and I was involved in hiring for the company that uh, acquired us, which was uh, a little bit odd because I had no experience in that realm. And, um, but I began to uh, play a role in the hiring process for, for the uh, acquiring company and uh, was actually in, in a really bad interview. Um, you know, anyone who's, who's been involved in hiring uh, has, has one of those stories where you know, you're, you're sort of in an interview and uh, it's only five or 10 minutes into the hour and you look up at the clock and you're like, you know, when is this going to be over? Um, because sometimes there's just a realization that there's not a fit, you know, from either, from either side. Um, and so it was in one of those interviews, actually, that I was struck by the idea that like, hey, there needs to be a way to use better tools uh, to save some of these interview hours, you know, save some of these wasted hours. Um, and uh, so that was kind of the spark that led to, to criteria. Led to today. Now, was that the company number two? Uh, what was the company that? Yeah, we, we had, it was a test prep business that we sold to uh, a company called Zap uh, that, that's involved in college admissions. And uh, they're based in Culver City, California. So that's, uh, I was on the East Coast and came out to live in LA uh, as a result of that uh, acquisition. Yeah. And then experiencing that problem of, of going through long interviews, like, okay, when will this be over? That's the genesis of the idea. There's got to be a technology that can come in here and solve this. Now, today, there's, there's hot buzzwords, of course, using AI and machine learning to be able to solve these. But what's the, where have you actually applied the technology and, and where does where does technology end and people still need to be involved? Because that there is some concern out there. Okay, how much is, do we just let technology automate and help us versus do is it enabling people? That's a that's a great question. And and we're very careful to differentiate ourselves from um, some approaches that really have have uh, what I call pure AI approaches that um, really look to automate uh, every part of the process. We're really um, not doing that. We're using data. We're using some machine learning even. Um, but really the goal is just to arm HR people, our customers, 
with better tools for making more informed decisions, right? So we always position it as kind of a decision support tool. And um, I think what's unique about us is, whereas some of the approaches you've seen in the last couple of years are really solely data science focused, we're combining research um, in the social sciences, specifically in, in, uh, in organizational psychology with data science um, to make sure that the, the science underlying the system is, you know, we, we like to use science that's peer reviewed, that um, is transparent. You know, I think it's really important for both scientific and ethical reasons that when a candidate is being evaluated or considered for a job of any kind, they should have some sort of idea of what they're being evaluated on and, and why. And that's where I think you, um, you get into some issues with uh, the, the approaches that are pure AI driven is that often they're just completely opaque and, and the candidate has no idea um, how- like A black being- box. So like I, pu- I put my feet in there, but what actually is in there? How- will I get hired? No one, no one's a big that's fan right, of- That's right. Yeah, the, the black box algorithms are, are problematic, I think. Um, you know, and you'll hear some providers say, well, you know, our algorithms are proprietary and, and that's fine. But if an HR person or anyone who's involved in hiring, which is kind of like the highest stakes decision a company makes in, in the area of their talent, right? Who, who do I hire in the first place? Sort of the highest impact decision they make. Um, you know, you ought to be real clear about what the technology you're using is doing and, and how it's helping select people. Um, and if you can't explain it, you probably shouldn't be using it, you know? So that, that, that's a great word of wisdom for anybody now utilizing software to help their in their job today. If, if they can't understand it, is that like a universal thing? If you can't truly understand it, if it's, it is a black box, is, should we be staying away from those types of solutions? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, I mean, more broadly, to, to think about it outside the HR space, it, it does have a lot of implications. But I think you know, it, it, it's fine. Every every software company has a secret sauce, but in the area of human capital, where there's um, there's ethical concerns, there's legal concerns around hiring. It's highly regu- It's pretty highly regulated area in the U.S. You know, you need to make sure that you're aware of how the technology is working. I think that's a really important point. And some of the um, cases in the last couple of years where some of this. Uh, AI software, um, which is really important area, and, and you know we're we're incorporating machine learning into our own uh, into our own software, but I think where it goes too far sometimes is is where um, algorithms are created that are that are looking for correlations with performance. Right, everyone's trying to predict future performance, but if you're only looking for correlations and not trying to measure the things that actually cause the high performance. Um, you get into a, a problematic area. So it's almost like the, the, the root uh, factoring of, of, of what you use as your base of who is a worthy candidate versus not. You're, you're, you've taken a different approach. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of looking at science where, you know, if I were to describe it to you, sort of the overall, the overall conclusions of a lot of the organizational science uh, in the last few, few decades are not terribly surprising. Like, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, you know, there's a whole body of research that shows that cognitive ability is a really good predictor of, of success, right? There's other research uh, that shows that certain behavioral traits, specifically conscientiousness, which is sort of how reliable, how organized, how hardworking you are, um, that that is a good predictor of success across a lot of different roles. And, um, and so that's, that's all peer-reviewed science, you know, hundreds of studies show that. But if you were to tell the average person who's hiring, you know, in the U.S. that, you know, 
smart, hardworking people tend to do well, they'd be like, yeah, duh. You know, it's, it's not exactly the frontiers of, of, of knowledge being pushed there in terms of, uh, you know, the, the science uh, that we're using there. Um, and you can combine that with data science and get some really exciting um, technology. But if you lose sight of what you're looking for in candidates and just look for things that correlate, you can get into some really murky and, and ethically problematic uh, territory. One of the things we, we, we had uh, talked about before our, our discussion today was just the, the Amazon story. Can you share how, the, how that ran into the play and how to avoid situations like that? Yeah, I mean, that's an example. Amazon's obviously a, an incredibly sophisticated company that, that has amazing engineers, and, and they had a, a kind of uh, high-profile flop in the area of AI where they um, were modeling some, some traits in their engineering population with the goal of increasing diversity in, in that population because, uh, you know, engineering is a field that typically uh, uh, women are under, you know, represented in. And, um, but they abandoned the effort and it was kind of this public uh, egg on the face moment because the, the data they'd been using to, to, to train the model was based off their largely male engineering uh, population, their existing population of engineers. So um, it had the opposite effect and, and ended up uh, disproportionately excluding uh, women even more. So, and, and that's a company, you know, as smart as Amazon. So um, there's another, another case of um, a company, uh, one of our competitors that uh, uses video interviewing technology um, to and, and uses um, some facial, uh, not facial recognition, but uh, facial, uh, you know, uses, uses the, the candidate's reaction, facial reactions to draw correlations with performance. And it was heavily criticized because there's no science to back up the idea that these correlations are meaningful. Um, it's, it's just literally chasing correlations in the data set. And, you know, after, after pretty significant criticism, they just, just this week rolled back that uh, part of their algorithm. And so they're not doing it anymore. But that should never have seen the light of day, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, because, you know, it's, as you said up, up front, it's, it's kind of creepy, right, that, uh, that you would be doing this. And the candidate certainly has no idea of how to, um, you know, how to perform in an evaluation where their facial movements are being analyzed, right? Should I not move my face? Should I move my face? Right. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what the best, uh, best yeah. face is according to the AI? So a question for you, Josh. How can we use technology to enable us to find the right candidates that are proficient and will and do the job that we need, but also uh, support inclusion? And, and actually encourage inclusion broader. How can we use technology to cover both of those bases? Yeah, it's a great point. And so one of the, one of the central problems of people who are hiring, uh, hiring, hiring employees used to be sort of 10 or 15 years ago that like, okay, where do I find my candidates? You know, it was always competitive to go find candidates. And technology has really helped solve that problem pretty completely because it's, it's really easy to post a job now and it's also from the applicant side, luckily, it's, it's also very easy to apply. You know, LinkedIn and sites like this have this one-click apply, um, creates this kind of phenomenon we call resume spamming, where, you know, if you've got, a, if you've got an hour and, you know, a can of Red Bull, you can apply to, you know, 20 or 30 jobs an hour, right? It's, it's very easy. And so that's, that's good that that process has become frictionless. But on the other hand, it creates another dilemma for employers, which is now, 
oh, oh my gosh, I have all these employee, uh, all these applicants to my job posts, and how do I sort through them, and, and how do I know where to start there? And that's where uh, technology-driven tools and assessments like the, the ones we provide can really help because they give you an objective data point that's very, you know, typically if you're using an assessment really early in the process, it can kind of help someone who's in HR um, tell them where to start directing their energies first, you know, uh, people who did, did well on the assessment, for example. So it really creates a lot of efficiencies there. Um, and to the second part of your question about diversity, I mean, that, that's something that we think about all the time and it's become so much more top of mind this year with all the, all the events of 2020 and the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, I think really sh shone a light on, on it and uh, some other things as well during COVID. And, um, you know, if you think about it, what do companies really use at scale to hire people? They use resumes and interviews, right? Those are the two most ubiquitous tools that everybody uses, right? Um, sometimes applications replace resumes for certain types of jobs, but same basic thing. And, um, and if you think about just the way that bias works and, and unconscious bias, um, resumes and interviews both are really uh, bad from a bias perspective. There's a lot of research that shows that um, resumes are really problematic in terms of injecting unconscious bias into the process. I'll give you an example of a, of a study that was done. Um, it's, it's not even a recent study now. It happened more than 10 years ago, but it's kind of a famous one in HR where these researchers sent out all these fake resumes to job posts in, in uh, Boston and Chicago, and they tracked the callback rate to the, to the resumes. And, um, and they found that when they changed the name at the top of the resume, nothing else about the resume, but just the name um, from a stereotypically white sounding name to an African-American sounding name, the callback rates went down dramatically. And these are the same, the same resumes, right? The same fake credentials on the resumes. And, uh, and you know, HR departments, this is not intentional bias. You know, they tend to be very progressive as a, as a general rule. Um, but, you know, I think uh, the point about unconscious bias is that everyone who's human and has a brain uh, has these images of what, for example, a successful salesperson looks like or what a successful manager looks like. And often um, I kind of call it the central casting agency uh, rule. You know, you, you, you'd like, OK, who would play a salesperson in, in my movie? You know, probably it'd be someone like Tom Cruise, right? Who's, who's charismatic and, and, and slick. And so um, outgoing. And you have these images uh, that, that correspond to these roles. And so um, that can really be detrimental in the hiring process. And so the idea behind assessments is, hey, let's use objective data that can help you surface talent that might not look like your image of what that role uh, is. For you guys, what are you, what's the most exciting uh, upcoming feature or, or product that you can share on the product roadmap that you're rolling out um, that you could talk about? Yeah, so, so there's a couple things come to mind. One is um, just a new area of assessments for us, which is uh, around emotional intelligence. It's kind of a, a little bit newer field of, of research and uh, it's a really exciting area. And we, we recently acquired an Australian company uh, called Revelion that uh, has this really great game-based assessment of emotional intelligence called Emotify. And uh, so, you know, emotional intelligence, again, is kind of a newer area of research. It's not universally useful across all jobs, 
but especially in roles like managerial and um, a lot of sales roles that involve a lot of interaction with other humans, um, there's there's growing evidence that um, that EI is really helpful as a predictor of success. So that's that's one area we're excited about. Um, another is uh, a product we call Talent Insights, which we uh, just rolled out uh, this past week, actually. Um, so it's kind of an early release, and uh, it's around using assessments post-hire. So not so much for uh, answering the question of who should I hire, but for growth and development and, and team building and, and fostering collaboration, that kind of thing. If you had to give a, a word of advice to someone who's involved in hiring, whether it is the CEO or HR manager um, or diversity inclusion um, uh, person in today's environment, um, what word of advice would you provide? Yeah, I mean, to sum it up, I think both for getting great hiring results and for encouraging diversity, I think um, taking the approach of hiring for potential rather than for experience will, will, be, uh, will go a long way towards um, accomplishing both, both goals. And especially with this last year, the pandemic, uh, I'm curious, how, how do you see, if we were two, three years from now, looking back, how will this, this period of COVID affect us? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think, um, you know, in the world of work, the world of HR, um, you know, the, the first answer that everyone would give is uh, around remote work and how that's changed. And, and I think that's a, that's a meaningful long-term trend. I mean, at our company, we're, we're definitely experiencing that. I think uh, so many companies are going through that. And now that we're, you know, hopefully getting past the, the worst of COVID, the question becomes, okay, how do you, how do you put the genie back in the bottle? You know, how do you go back to in-person, but also accommodate remote, which we now know uh, works so well for a lot of companies. So, so remote work is, is certainly a big trend, but I think another trend that um, will be just as enduring, if not potentially more is, is the renewed focus on diversity and inclusion. Like that's always been a part of what HR does and, you know, for a while now, um, so it's certainly not new with COVID, but there's just more buy-in to it, I think, across a lot of different companies that, you know, have seen that, hey, there are, are real structural inequities in, in society that, um, you know, companies are, are stakeholders in society and they need to be a part of the, the solution there. So I think that heightened focus on DE&I initiatives um, is going to be a very long-lasting one, along with the transition to remote work. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you being able to, to share the insights as well as some of the features that you guys are rolling out at Criteria Corp. For those that want to, to learn more, you can go to criteriacorp.com. Uh, it looks like you get a, get a free trial there. Uh, but stick around for part two of our discussion where Josh is going to be sharing more of his journey, uh, building Criteria Corp and the experiences of, of what does it take to build a team of, of over 100 folks that and, and continuing growing. So stick around for part two, but thanks again. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.